Let's talk about debt, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about debt. Welcome back. I mean, not just to the show, but yeah. also to being back in Bradenton because you've been on vacation for a while. Yourself took a little trip. Well, I know where you went. Yeah, but tell everybody else. I don't think I would call it a vacation. It was more um, a working a working trip um, out to Montana, and uh, you know I've been working diligently for the better part of ten years to learn Wyoming, Montana, Idaho landscape what real estate opportunities are out there. And so, yeah, I, I, the day I got there, um, I got my camper, got all set up. And the next day, starting at 8 a.m., I looked at real estate until 8 p.m. that wow. night. Yeah, it was like a 12-hour grind looking at some land and looking at um, houses. So um, just trying to identify pockets of opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it is booming um booming out west it's it's like a new gold rush really oh yeah it's um it's it's unbelievable what's happening in those three states and um it's it's crazy you know when i was out there eight years ago yeah um it's it's anywhere from five to ten x the prices now than it was five years ago wow um, so in other words five to 10 times your, what I would have spent to get something then I'd pay now. Um, which is a little disheartening in one side, but on the other side, um, it's, I, I don't see it stopping. Of course so, not. Um, it's, it, it's an exciting time to be, um, you know, diversifying our portfolio, real estate portfolio. Mm -hmm. And I'm also uh, learning this to care, to, to share, you know, with anyone that would like to, uh, diversify their real estate holdings. Um, yeah be a good way to uh, diversify that on a real estate uh, real estate clarity. What do, what do you... Well, it's actually estate? called a real estate rundown. Real estate You're getting rundown. a little confused, right? Yes. You got to keep the names right. I'm big on names. <laughs> I know. I know. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But, um, you know, one of the things that, that struck me when I was out there, I, I was talking to my realtor and um, I was surprised, you know, uh, that there's about his lack of knowledge about mortgages mm. and, um, you know, got me thinking, right. Uh, you know, here we go yeah. uh, about, about mortgages yeah. and, um, that it may be a great topic to, um, you know, teach people mm -hmm. about, uh, what does it take to get a mortgage? I'm always surprised at how little people know about mortgages. No, you're right. And I think we take it for granted. We were in the business for so long. That's actually where we, met. That's where we learned not only about mortgages, but that's where we identified credit, which mm -hmm. allowed us to open up what was our largest company we've ever built yeah. around debt. So yeah, I think it's a great topic. I think we have a lot of years of experience in that world. Mm -hmm. But I want to back up for a second because you know, you going out to Montana, when I met you, you were such a water guy. Mm -hmm. And I think some people, even our listeners, they think they have to invest and buy where they live because they love it, mm -hmm. right? It's mm -hmm. all they know. Mm -hmm. And so what is it about Montana? What does it bring you? Why are you gravitating there? And like, do you still feel yourself loving Bradenton as much mm -hmm. as you did when you were a kid or when you were a teenager or adult? Like, why That's all of a sudden Montana? Yeah, you know, I think as we get older, um, our, our perspectives change. Yeah. And, um, for a long time, all I knew was Florida. That's mm -hmm. all I knew, you know, I'm fourth generation, Florida, maybe more. 
and um and and like the water the gulf of mexico this heat is like all i knew right you know but as my horizons broaden as i get older and my perspectives change i think um you know i think uh, real estate is a lot like um is a lot like the weather you know there's seasons um, yeah. for for um real estate and you know i if if someone nailed me down to one one point of why mm-hmm. Um, I would say diversification. Okay. Um, you know, and I really believe in Florida. We've gone deep in Florida um, with real estate. We have deep roots here. We right. have um, we have a lot of interest here. But um, you know, I don't want all of our eggs in the Florida basket. And um, I think it's important to diversify. Um, you know, regionally, yes. it's important to diversify even internationally, mm-hmm. um, plant flags, um, uh, financial flags in multiple places. Yep. And um, so, you know, I'm always looking, you know that about me. I'm always looking because I'm not someone who could just sit and farm this one area for real estate opportunities. I like to farm globally. Um, so there's a lot that goes into yeah. that though, because it's not just loving an area. I think you're looking at more than just the area. You're looking at the surroundings. You're looking at what's happening in mm-hmm. neighboring cities, right? That mm-hmm. where it's going to spill over mm-hmm. eventually. Like there's so many things that go into identifying an area of opportunity is yeah. what I would call it. Yeah. And you did the same zones. in Costa Rica. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing in Costa Rica. You know, there's, um, there's opportunity mm-hmm. zones and, um, the, I, I, I have an instinct, right? Right, but um, I'm also I'm an economist by trade, so I look at the laws of supply and demand as one of my guiding principles, right? Um, and then there's like this intangible, um, and I, I'll use the word vibe, um, you know, or it's uh, like hip. It's something that's it's, happening it's, it, there. Yeah. Maybe it's hip. Maybe it's maybe it's um. There's just a way right. about the people, yeah. And um, which is a big deal, you know. The people's the number one, totally. And um, when I'm when I'm out there and I'm looking for opportunity zones, you know, first it's people, mm-hmm. um, and then it's geographic, uh, geographic assets. Right. What, what is what does the place bring to the table? Mm-hmm. And um, and then it's it's things like growth and 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 what's happening um, to the to, to the market and the demographics and. So uh, I've just identified um, certain areas in Montana um, as as hotspots, and um, there's areas in Wyoming that are hotspots. There's areas in Idaho that are hotspots, mm-hmm. and so uh, yeah, I inv- I went out and I invest. You know, that's what I do. I invest my time to put boots on the ground, get in a side by side, and go look. So right. um, that's uh, that's an important part of of really like who I am and. And what makes me tick? I mean, that's my passion. And I love that because, you know, with having this real estate rundowns that we're doing with people on calls, Mm -hmm. we'll hear them ask questions like, where is the best place to look for investment Mm -hmm. properties? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, should I be relocating? And if so, where do you see an an area that I'll fit well in Mm -hmm. based on who they are and what they're about and if they're a family? So you educating yourself and spending time in the trenches and going around to all of these different places and really becoming knowledgeable of what's happening in those areas is crucial yeah. for the success of our listeners and also for people who are calling us and wanting to talk, you know, like, where do I go? But where do you go is half the problem. The other mm-hmm. half is, how do I pay for this? <laughs> right, right. Right? Yeah. And, you know, uh, there's there's uh, options. Yeah. 
But um, the one that I thought it was important to talk about, like you said, I mean, we were in the mortgage business um, in arguably the hottest uh, season of being in the mortgage business. What are the um, chances? And, uh, you know, we, we had about a five-year run in the mortgage business. I absolutely loved um, doing mortgages. Uh, Me too. It was probably my favorite um, uh, occupational activity yeah? that was very defined that I've ever done. Why yeah. though? Why did you, what part about it did you love? Because I know what you didn't love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, what I loved was someone would call and they were sitting on a stack of home equity mm-hmm. and I loved showing them how they could access that equity, uh, in order to achieve their dreams and their goals, right. whether it was fixing up their home or buying another home mm-hmm. or putting their kid through college and showing them how actually we could do that. And, um, and it was financially feasible, yeah. but also just, it was like solving, it was like solving a puzzle, a puzzle totally. every time someone called, um, you know, uh, where do I place them? Uh, what are, why, why am I, why am I doing that? And then trying to get it approved was a whole nother ball of wax. So, um, you know, we got really good at it. We um, got really good. We, we were, were a powerful team. We were very, very good in the mortgage business. Um, and, uh, you know, we were the top producers in a company of, of, you know, a hundred yep. um, agents. And it was, uh, you know, it wasn't because we were so great. It's, I think it was because we worked well together and we were so passionate mm-hmm. about it. And, um, I, and, and I was good at a part of it and you were so good at handling client care. Yeah. I can remember the <laughs> first time we actually tested this because we didn't work together at first. No. We were each individual on our own. No. And then we, you had another assistant mm-hmm. and then you're like, you know what, let's partner up. And so we partnered up and my favorite part was like, I like challenges. Mm-hmm. So if someone is like doubting or falling off the fence, man, put me in. I yeah. want to talk to them. Yeah. And I love fielding the phone calls. Mm-hmm. And that was the part you hated, but I hated working up the deals and I didn't want to deal with the numbers. Mm-hmm. I wanted to really connect on the emotional side with yeah. people. Yeah. And I wanted to connect on, on the education side. Right. Um, so that one, two punch of you connecting with them, um, you know, at the person level, the mm-hmm. human, human being level. And I was connecting with them at an education level was, uh, really powerful. Yeah. And, um, I haven't, I haven't forgot all those little things that we learned along the way mm-hmm. and mortgages have changed, um, since the, uh, you know, the, the great recession, um, the Dodd-Frank uh, legislation came in and changed the way things are done. But the fundamental underlying, um, you know, rules of the game, as it were, haven't changed. And um, one of the most exciting things today that I love doing is, is helping someone that doesn't think they're able to buy a house yet. Yeah. Open their eyes and watch the scales drop off their eyes when I show them that they are able. And I can think of several couples along the way that I would be meeting with year, years ago now. And uh, they were they were renting. Mm-hmm. and Throwing their money down th- the tubes every month. You know, making their landlord yeah. wealthy. And I'm like, uh, well, why are you doing that? And they wanted to buy. And they're like, well, a couple more years and we're going to buy. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, why aren't you buying today? Right. And they're like, well, you know, we just, uh, we're not quite ready. And, you know, we think prices are too high. And I tell people, the time to buy real estate mm-hmm is when you are financially able to buy real estate. And even now, people are like, don't you think a downturn's coming? Maybe, maybe not. Um, all I know is 40 years from now, it's not going to matter. Right. What's going to matter is, is that 
you become an owner as soon as you're able. Well, yeah. I mean, you're just making someone else money or you're making money. That's just what it boils down to. Right. And so ownership is simply just a way to build wealth over time. Yeah. And so it's always the right decision in the face of, should I rent, quote unquote, flush it down the toilet? Or should I own, which is saving right. in, in, a, in a unique kind of way? So mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, you know, I thought it might be fun today to kind of talk about... Um, the attributes of getting a home loan. Yeah. So one of them I would love to know is, you know, and I know I can remember when I bought my first house, I didn't know like, do I go to a bank or a mortgage broker first and get an approval letter? Mm. What do I even do before I ever connect with my realtor and go to look at the first house? Yeah. Should I be doing anything on the finance side? That's good. Um, that's good. I I think it's, it's healthy to define where to go. Right. Right. Um, so, all of us have banks and we have banking relationships mm-hmm. and we can walk into our bank and um, get a pre-approval for a mortgage or attempt to get a pre-approval for a mortgage. Um, alternatively, there is a professional called a mortgage broker right. where you walk in and you seek to get a pre-approval. And the difference is that a mortgage broker can shop across many different lending institutions mm-hmm. to see on that given day who has the uh, the best underwriting standards to fit your needs and who has the best rate and term yeah. for, for your loan agreement. So I really like the idea of going to mortgage brokers because they have a lot of flexibility in where they could send mm-hmm. your, your file. And, um, and based on their level of expertise, they're going to be able to determine just by hearing where you are, they're immediately going to have an intuition about which lender would probably uh, make that loan to you. Well, and I think it's better because while they're looking over, they've got a vested interest to put you in the best product. Mm-hmm. Whereas the bank, they don't have really any vested interest but to sell you on what they have at their fingertips. That's a good point. And so you don't even know if that's really the best for your situation. Mm-hmm. It's just all they have. Yeah. Whereas a mortgage broker, they're looking out for your best interest and they can. I can remember how you would... Like you may use one bank for one portion of the loan and then another for the HELOC. Or Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. remember you being very strategic with your approaches and the more products that you have at your fingertips, the more that allows you to curate, right? The best mortgage situation for the borrower. Yeah, that's that's really good. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because every single lending institution, some of these you may have never even heard of before. I mean, we've all heard of- I heard of Countrywide. If I heard it one more time, <laughs> I would rip my hair out. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of the some of the lending institutions out there are, are not brick and mortar banks. Right. And so um, they can offer some pretty creative, uh, you know, financing opportunities. And um, Why? Because they specialize strictly in mortgages? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're lending your own money, you can you can create whatever rate and term you want. Mm-hmm. You can determine what the interest rate's based off of, you yep. know, which index. Mm-hmm. Um, you, can, you can create what type of uh, adjustment terms you have on, right. on an adjustable rate mortgage, for example. And so there's a lot of alternatives depending on what the goals are. Okay. So what do you recommend? Do you recommend they get a letter, a pre-approval letter before they start house shopping? Or what's the order of operation there? Yeah. The order of operation is that as soon as possible, have a mortgage professional look at your situation and see, are you approvable? And then you get a pre-approval 
And that is basically your ticket to shop. Just a piece of paper. Yeah. And, and what does people, it say on it? Uh, it'll say you are approved um, for a loan and it'll give you the exact criteria for the, um, the amount of the loan that you're approved for. So you know exactly how much uh, um, of house you can, you can shop for. Okay. And um, now you go out and when, and by the way, um, the listing agents are going to take you much more seriously when you have a pre, pre-approval letter. That's good. Um, when you make an offer. So Great. if you have an offer, two offers that are sitting side by side, uh, one that doesn't have pre-approval and one that does, the one with the pre-approval letter is going to be uh, a much more powerful offer. Uh, and a lot of times it's actually required. Yeah. So a lot of times they require a pre-approval letter to even make an offer. So, um, you know, uh, the mortgage process, I think, is we used to look at it like the three-legged stool. Three-legged stool. So you can, the easiest, the easiest hack, <clears throat> okay, the easiest uh, mortgage hack is okay. remember a stool that has three legs. Yep. So every mortgage basically has three attributes that you need to have in order to, to get it. Let me see if I can guess what okay, they are. See if you see if you can remember what they were. Um assets. Assets. Income. Income. I don't know the last one. <laughs> this is this is your bread and butter. Credit. <laughs> oh, credit. Well, yeah. I mean, I kind of like would say so that. There's the three-legged stool, right? And yep. just like a stool. The, the more stable, the stronger the legs of the stool, the more stable the stool is going to be. So the stronger your asset, income, and credit position, the stronger you are as a borrower. Okay. And the stronger the stool that the bank feels comfortable sitting on. So what do they look at first? Okay. So the first thing they're going to look at is income. They're <coughs> going to see, um, okay, how much does this person make mm-hmm. versus how much they spend. And I know you love to talk about debt to income ratio. Debt to income ratio, yes. right? The debt to income ratio is the is the kind of um the analytic that a a lender utilizes to see how much money is coming in versus how much money is going out. So they're not necessarily approving them based just on their credit score is what you're saying. No. Okay. No. Cuz that's what people think. Yeah, no. I mean income is a big is is a big leg of this stool. Mm-hmm. And income can come from salary. Mm-hmm. It can come from um, self-employed income. Yep. Social security, Social child security, support, child support. Like it can be any of those. It can be any of those. And um and they are going to utilize you know, W-2s or tax returns in order to validate the income. Right. And they're going to say. Well, they used to not even have to do that. Do you remember? It was like a VO, uh, well, there VOE. Was, yeah, there was uh, there was all kinds of no-income products. Right. Like stated income. There was actually like no income, no assets. Do those exist anymore? Um, they There are some products out there still for stated income. And generally, they are for self-employed individuals. Got it. Um, that was what they were always intended because tax returns can be very convoluted and complicated when it comes to business owners. Yeah. And so they created the stated income product for self-employed business owners that obviously were um, in good financial shape. Yet back in the old, back in the the heyday of uh, 06, 05, the stated income just became a free ticket to borrow money. And, um, you know, we then see they where that came got out us. with a no income, no asset yeah. program. I mean, we were able no to- No doc. Give, yeah. We were able to give people a loan that had a 550 credit score and we didn't even have to prove their income assets oh, oh, in nothing. It's, like That's even hard to fathom. I, that, and it that was, was like even 90, allowed. 95% loan to value. We too. act shocked that it all came, you know, 
crumbling down. But I think that without getting too much into it, because it's so much to grasp. Mm-hmm. So you're saying get a le- getting a letter before they go look. Mm-hmm. Then what's the next thing? Like, well, like how do they know if they should go with their bank versus the mortgage broker? So what if they get a better rate? I mean, I would go to I would go to both, but the, the idea is that a mortgage broker is going to be able to look across many different banks. That's so that's a it, huge advantage. I just I think that that that's the thing to yeah. do. So um, and I'll, you have people on your team too that you know if they're calling in to do those real estate rundowns that they you can connect them. Is that right? Yes. Great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the idea. We want to be. We want to be a one-stop shop to point people in the right direction based on where they're at. Yeah. So um, now we got to get back to the stool. Okay. I'm not done with the stool. Uh, all right. I know. And we're talking about income. Yeah. So the three-legged stool. All right. We have one leg is income. Okay. They're gonna they're gonna look at your income and prove you have income. You told us all the, the sources next, of the income. The next leg is gonna be assets. Now, what does assets mean? I'm not talking about grandma's dishes. Okay. Yes, it's an asset. Or but cars. No, no, it's not going to help you uh, to get a mortgage. I'm talking about liquid assets. Right. And what the bank looks at in the form of liquid assets is um, money in the bank, yep. checking your savings. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about retirement accounts, IRAs or 401ks. I'm talking about- it has to be in your name, right? Like it can't- Yes. Yeah. It needs to be in your name. Yeah. Um, stocks, bonds, CDs, um, any of that. And we're talking about savings. Right. And the bank is looking for um, what they call reserves. Mm-hmm. So when you go buy a house, you need a down payment and you need closing costs in order to, to buy it. Right. So that's part of the reserves the bank is looking for. But they're also looking that you have enough money in the bank to pay at least three months of your mortgage payment if you lost your job. That's so what they call reserves. It, they actually call it PITI. And I remember that term very well. It was yeah. principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. Yes. And it's the combination of all of those items, six months worth in the bank. Yeah. It can be anywhere from three to, be to six months. It has to be seasoned though. So another source of assets can be gifted funds. Right. Um, so uh, someone can give you the money, but you can't get the money today and turn around and show the bank tomorrow that you have reserves. Generally, it needs to be what they call seasoned. Yeah, that it has. It needs to be in your account. Your account for a minimum of days could be thirty, ninety, depending on the lender. Mm-hmm. So they want to see. Bottom line, they want to see you make money. Leg number one, and you're making more than you spend. Yeah, that's that's what the debt to income ratio exactly. measures. Exactly. So it's really the two stools the, are just the, simply debt to income ratio. The next leg is assets. That yeah. you have enough money to close on the home, mm-hmm. and you have enough money to pay your bills if and when you were to have a hardship. Yeah. Okay. And the third one is credit score. Yep. Okay. So they're going to look at a tri-merge credit report. We did a segment on credit reports. Yes. And if, if someone wants to learn about that, they should go back and listen to that one. Well, in annualcreditreport.com, it actually is a tri-merge. Okay. So they can pull it for themselves once a year and see specifically what that score is based on the tri-merge. Right. Which is different, right, it, it, than a one-pull. Yes, it is. I mean, um, a tri-merge is basically looking across all the different uh, credit bureaus mm-hmm. and they're going to look at all of it, look at the whole picture right. and see what is your, what is your, the borrower's ability to pay me back? Yeah. What's their track record? Mm-hmm. Do I have a good feeling about this person based on their credit score or um, do they look like someone that, doesn't care much about paying their bills. And so based on those three legs of the stool, they're going to render a decision. 
And that's what's called a pre-approval letter. They say, based on these three things, this is how much you can borrow. So if somebody gets denied, because this does happen, Mm -hmm. do you recommend that they continue shopping? Because that can just suck the wind out of your sales when they say, oh, this is all we can qualify you for, or oh, you don't qualify for the mortgage. Like, And I've seen so many people back away from looking to buy because they get one denial. Mm -hmm. But like everything else in life, Mm -hmm. right? You've got to keep pushing. And I know that we've had that experience and we continue to shop. You know, right mm-hmm. after our bankruptcy, it was tough for us to get a mortgage. and mm-hmm. But we just kept pushing and kept pushing. So what would you tell those who maybe don't even own their first home right now and they've gotten denied, so they're a little gun shy? Mm-hmm. Like, what should they do? So I would say that um, it depends on what the denial's for. A lot of times, if you get denied, yeah. The bank or the broker is going to tell you exactly why you got denied. So in your in your credit letter, um, credit decision letter, right. it's going to tell you what area was deficient. And so that then you could go and remedy that. So if it's credit score, okay, then you may engage in some type of um, uh, credit repair apparatus. Right. If they said, you know what, you carry too much debt. You you have you have too much debt and it's messing up your debt to income ratio. So your income uh, leg your income leg of the stool is broken. Right. That means guess what? You have to either increase your income, yep. go get a second job, third job, or you got to pay some debt off. That will improve your debt to income ratios. So before they apply with someone else, they should look at trying to go after whatever the area they were denied for to improve the overall ability to qualify. Well, okay. So if you had a stool and I was asking you to sit on it all day and, and, and the carpenter that made the stool told you that one of the legs looked kind of weak, are you going to go to another carpenter and ask him for a second opinion and on, on the same leg? Or are you going to go and say, hey, let's drive a couple screws yeah, into this try leg to fix and strengthen it, it right, right? right? So I think it's, if we're using the same analogy, the idea is let's go repair the, the, the leg of the stool that yep. needs to be repaired, mm-hmm. and then we'll circle back. Right. Otherwise, there's no reason to continue banging our head against the wall. And hitting your credit score. And hitting your credit score. Right. If, if, if you get declined, especially if it's a mortgage broker and you've looked at it across multiple lenders, they're going to give you feedback of why you got declined. Yep. And then it's about, let's go remedy it. Maybe it was the asset position, you know, um, maybe the asset Continue position. Continue saving, building your assets. Or, or, or try to go to parents or uncle or someone and maybe get a gift. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of first-time homebuyer programs out there. And I think that um, people un- underestimate their ability to be able to borrow. And um, I know everyone is going to have a question about interest rates right now because interest rates have been rising. They didn't this last time, though. I think they stayed the same this past week. So they're leveling out a little bit. And historically, they're still pretty fair. Yeah. Um, But I think just to keep it simple, um, as far as timing of the market, right? We can't time time the market. We can't time interest rates. But what we can say is get in the market when you have the money available. And you can always go back and refinance down the road for yep. better terms. Um, we do, I do believe over the course of the next five years, interest rates will be dropping again. So that'll give an opportunity for banks to do, uh, you know, they will, they will relook at the interest rates and be willing to do that modifications. Well, interest rates too should never hold somebody back from home ownership because you're always going to win. Yeah. So just get in the game. And I, you know, just to recap these steps before we go today, make sure you have a pre-approval letter 
from your bank or mm-hmm. mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. We recommend mortgage brokers because mm-hmm. they have a portfolio of products. Yep. And then also just knowing what specifically they're looking for to accomplish that approval letter, letter, which are the three legs to the stool. Yes. Assets, income, and credit. Yes. And we've identified each of the things that fall under that category. So I think that in and of itself, even having those tools, if they're still struggling or not sure, is now a good time. There's so much change. I'm going to wait, dot, dot, dot. I love that comment. Mm-hmm. Um Call us. Yeah. Set up a call with one of our representatives who can walk you through and even help you set a timeline mm-hmm. and give you something to live into for accomplishing homeownership, yeah. right? And the mortgage is one piece of it, but sometimes just having a professional talk to them who's been there, who's done it, just kind of helps steer that and put a timeline in place to accomplish it. That's so, good. Thanks so much for sharing. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for all your uh, insight and memories. Yeah, it makes me want to run out and buy another house again. So Let's do it. Get that property in Montana. I will. All right.